Last week we had a lesson on the fundamental and essential doctrine of predestination. And this week I want us to consider another essential doctrine to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this doctrine we know as sanctification. All of these terms sound very churchy, very theological, but they express for us some very important truths concerning our salvation that we need to understand because understanding our salvation is going to bring us peace, joy, hope, and to understand just how much God loved us to provide what he has provided for us through the sacrifice of his son. As we study salvation, we discover terms like sanctification, predestination, justification. We've already considered those doctrines. Redemption, we considered, and regeneration, to be born again. Now, all of these terms, these works, all refer to the same work of the cross that was accomplished for us by Jesus Christ. But each one of these terms, they they kind of spotlight specific aspects of our salvation. And I believe it's important for us to understand all of these aspects of our salvation just to know how complete and how full our salvation is. We, we use the term so easily, I'm saved. What does that mean? That's a little word, but it just encompasses so many things. And so it takes several of these different words and aspects of the work of the cross for us to fully comprehend. So this is why we take time to study these words, and more important, these works of the cross of Jesus Christ. Few Christians really enter into the fullness of their salvation because they don't take time to study these truths that are revealed to us in the Bible. We'll find out that sanctification, just like predestination, is sometimes a source of debate among the theologians. But everyone who has a heart to know the will of God can know it. It's not based on your intelligence. It's not based on your, your education or your, your status in, in society. It's based on a willing heart of faith. This is how we know things. It's because God graciously reveals them to us through his Holy Spirit. We're let in on some of the secrets of the universe, of the creator of heaven and earth. And, and for us not to take time to study and appreciate these, these revelations, it's kind of say to, to, to God, thanks, but no thanks. No, I want to know everything he wants me to know. And so this is what, why we can study these essential fundamental doctrines. Now, the word sanctification and, and the many words that are related to it, the family of words that is used in the Greek can, that is often translated sanctification or sometimes saints. You'll read that word. It all connects back to the same root. Sanctification, uh, saints, holy. When you read the word holy, that's one of those words that people like to shun away from. Holy, well, am I holy? Do I want to be holy? What does that mean? Well, it's connected to this, this family of words, sanctification to consecrate, and then even that in the old King James, hallowed be your name, in that, in that uh, the Lord's Prayer, that, that's part of this family of words that means sanctification. What does it mean to be a saint? What does it mean to be holy? Well, everybody has their idea. The Church of Rome has their idea what it, how you become a saint, 
uh, and many evangelical uh, Protestant denominations have have their thoughts about when a Christian really is sanctified. Some think it's uh, a once, you know, one-time work. Others think it's an ongoing work. And so we just need to understand what the Bible reveals to be true about sanctification. So let's begin with understanding the difference between that unconditional sanctification that every believer in Jesus Christ automatically possesses and the practical aspects of uh, sanctification. Many of these truths that, that we find in Scripture, just like justification, many of them have an unconditional aspect, and then there's a practical daily aspect. And if you mix up the two, you're, you're going to get confused, and that's where a lot of the debates and confusion take place. And so let's see if we can't distinguish between the sanctification that every child of God, every Christian, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus automatically, immediately, unconditionally receives sanctification. And then we'll look at the practical aspect of that has to do with our daily choices. So I'll give you an example here that, that we can consider. Let, let's imagine that there's a very rich, powerful man who has a very large multi-million dollar business. Well, this father, he has two sons, two sons that by the very fact of their birthright, they are special. And by the way, the, the word sanctification, that big religious word, all it means is to be separated for a special use, to be separated from that which is common to be something special and to be used for something special. That's all it means. That's what sanctification means. So these two boys of this very rich father, they have a place in the business of their father, both of them. And they will always be separate from all the other employees. They have special privileges that others will never enjoy because of their birthright. That is their unconditional birthright. They are separated from everybody else just by being sons. That is the unconditional aspect of their privileges, of their sanctification. Now, as both of these sons grow, one of them takes a very intense interest in the business. His education is all based on, let's say this, this business is computer science or a computer software company. And so that one son, he, he gets his education in computer engineering, and he's very active in the, in the business. And he takes advantage of every opportunity he, ha he has as a son. Whereas the other son, he, he has a place in the business. He's part of the business, but he takes no interest. And he just gets by. He, he doesn't train. He doesn't educate. He, he's, just, he's just there and doesn't take advantage of all the privileges and opportunities his father has given him. This is their practical, the practical aspect of their sanctification, of their special separation from everyone else. And so one is going to enjoy more benefits of what he has been given. The other, still a son, still has privileges, still separate from everybody else, but he just does not take advantage of all that his father has provided for him. The meaning of sanctification, sometimes the, the 
and and the word holy. Again, we, we hear that word holy. And the first thing that pops into your head, usually, when you think of the word holy, is that it has to do with moral purity. Is that not what most of you think or not? Maybe I'm, I'm the only one that thinks that way. But when someone says, are you holy? You, me- you immediately think you're talking about their moral purity. But that's not what the word means. Now, it will begin to have an impact on your moral uh, purity once you understand sanctification. But that's not its immediate understanding. In the Old Testament, you'll read about things, cups, plates that were made holy. Well, obviously, they have no morality one way or the other. They simply were washed, and then they were set apart for a special use in the temple to be used for the glory of God in the work of the service of the Lord. They didn't do anything to earn that sanctification. They didn't do anything to earn being holy. They were what? They were washed and set apart. That primary definition of sanctification is that separation. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6 and verses 9 to 11. So we see what the New Testament thought of sanctification is. It's based on that foundation that we find in the Old Testament. It takes place by a washing and then a setting apart for a special use. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verses 9 through 11, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? But do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, it appears to me, according to that, that nobody can possibly be saved. There's no moral purity here, is there? And such were some of you, Paul's writing to Corinthians, that were believers in Jesus Christ. They were saved. In fact, he calls them early on, he addresses them as saints, those that are set apart. And he says, that's what you were. Some of you were characterized by these sins, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Washed, sanctified, and justified. Notice once again that these verbs are in the past tense. This aspect of sanctification is a finished work. It's one that takes place, this unconditional sanctification, takes place the moment you accept Jesus as your Savior. It's your birthright to be separated from the rest of humanity that is lost in sin. You're separated from everyone else, not because you're special in yourself, not because you're morally pure or that you clean yourself up so God can use you. No, just like that inanimate cup in the Old Testament, you were washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and he made you holy. He did that work already. You don't make yourself holy. He made you holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that you'll never do anything wrong again. It doesn't mean that you won't make an immoral choice because you're now a saint, because you're now holy. It just now means that God sees you in Christ, that you're special, that you're different from the rest of humanity, and now you're a son. That's the unconditional part of your sanctification. Let's go to Romans 3 and verse 12. 
sanctification, the fact that we've been sanctified, indicates that there's been a change in our usefulness to God. God can now use you that you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Before, he could not use you to do his will and to bring him glory. In Romans 3.12, this is a description of those that are yet to accept Jesus as their Savior. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. That's a description of those who have not accepted Jesus as their Savior. Every man, woman, and child are born into sin. We're sinners by birth, therefore we are sinners by practice. The word unprofitable in the Greek here in in verse 12, it means useless. And it's actually the word that the Greeks use to describe totally rotten fruit. I've told you before, my my grandma used to have a a big green apple tree. We'd make applesauce and and we make apple pies and all kinds of things with that apple, apples from the apple tree. And sometimes there would be apples that would fall and would be a little bruised and, and just not perfect, but we could use them for applesauce and stuff. And then there would be those that would fall on the ground and they would be there for a week or so. And you go to pick them up and they're nothing but mush. They are useless, rotten. That's how God sees those that are lost in sin. He can't use them for his glory, but we've been sanctified from that. Our sanctification changed that condition. Let's go to Acts 26. Now we've been made useful. And how do we receive that sanctification? By trying to be good? By trying not to be so rotten? I've never seen a rotten apple reverse its condition. And I've never seen a human reverse their sinful condition by their own efforts. Acts 26, 17 and 18. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I send you. Why did God send the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles with the message? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified how? How are we sanctified? By faith in me. That's how you become holy. That's how you become useful to God, by faith in Jesus Christ. It's that simple. The the scripture is clear. There's no room for debate here. I'm sanctified unconditionally. I'm made holy by believing that Jesus died for my sin. I'm washed in his blood, that is, his sacrifice, paid the debt of my sin and purged me from the stain of sin in the sight of my creator. It's not obtained, sanctification is not obtained by personal moral purification. It's a gift, just like eternal life. It's a gift. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Here, We have the details of what exactly our faith in Jesus is all about. What are we supposed to believe about Jesus? Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And you who once were alienated, that is separated from God. Sanctification separates us unto God. But before, sin separates us from God. You who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Another aspect of salvation in the body of his flesh through death to present you how holy, sanctified and blameless and above reproach in his sight. It's through 
the sacrifice, faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we are set apart. Hebrews thirteen twelve. Hebrews 13 and verse 12. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate, were washed from our sins. We are made useful to God by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Also, verse 10 of Hebrews 10, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It was sufficient. What Jesus did on the cross was sufficient to make me presentable to God, accepted in his presence because I've been made holy. It's holy and fully God's work. Jude 1 and verse 1. Jude 1, 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. So my sanctification is preserved. I'm kept forever in this condition of holiness, usefulness to God, by His grace, that unconditional sanctification, once for all. It happened when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Second Thessalonians 2. God, through the blood, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, washed me. I didn't wash myself. I didn't clean myself up so God could accept me. He did the work. Sanctification, salvation, is holy and fully God's work. We accept it by faith. Second Thessalonians two thirteen and 14. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification, by the Spirit, and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over again, this is why we take time to, to give these references and to read them so we see them with our own eyes. We don't have to depend on other men's opinion. We simply take God at his word. He sanctified me by his work. We see the, the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. They always do a full work. You can trust what they have declared to be true about what was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. We are chosen and we are called to glory. We're set apart for that destiny. We had predestination last week. We're set apart for glory. My, my condition, my destiny my usefulness to God is different than those who have not accepted Christ. And that's not a boast in ourselves because, I, again, we're not boasting on our moral purity. I'm more holy than you in the sense that I'm better than you and I'm morally purer than you. No, our boast is in his holiness that made us holy, that separated us. And that offer, that invitation is to whosoever will. And so... We're not, when we say that we are different, that God favors us above those that aren't saved, it's not arrogance because that same holiness is going to cause us to offer that holiness, that sanctification, that salvation to whosoever will, knowing we didn't deserve it. And there's no one that God says he won't make holy if they'll only believe that Jesus is the Christ. We're going to find out, Lord willing, next week. Next week we'll consider the, the practical aspect of our sanctification that's daily and ongoing. 
This aspect is once for all. I'm eternally separated unto God, for God. And we'll find out that that understanding that truth, that I'm now God's son, that I, I have gone from rottenness, uselessness, to be able to bring him glory by doing his will. I'll find out knowing that truth will enable me to live a pure, moral, holy life in a real practical way. Because I'm sanctified, because I've been made holy, I now can live holy. We'll consider that in in our next lesson. But let's go to 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2 to know that even the most carnal Christian that doesn't go on to live a holy, moral life will still on by virtue of having been born again, will bring God glory. Even if he doesn't bring him glory in this life, God will use him. That individual that, that has failed, just like that son of that rich father. He didn't take advantage of all the opportunities he had. He, he was special. He had privileges and opportunities that nobody else had except for his other son. But he didn't take advantage of it. But still, he benefited from his father's richness, didn't he? 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 12. Know that the Corinthians, Paul wrote the Corinthians a letter, several letters, to correct a lot of things. They were saved. They accepted Jesus as their Savior. But some of them were committing some of the most immoral sins in society that even polite, unsaved society frowned on. Wow, that's bad. Some Christians were participating in that. So Paul wrote some stern letters of correction to them. But notice how he addresses even those that were participating in such immoral activities. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called, now the King James has to be, but that's not in the original. So the the, the, the verse should read simply this, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, called holy, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. And so what made the Corinthians holy? They called upon the Lord for salvation. They believed that Jesus died for their sins. Paul calls them saints. And yet in the letter that he goes on to write to them, he corrects and rebukes such Horrible practices, immoral practices among them. Romans 8 and verse 29. We read this last week in our uh, lesson on predestination. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What were we predestined for? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Every child of God will one day be like Christ. will receive a glorified body that's fit for heaven. Every child of God, even the most carnal that live carnally in this world, will have a part in the government of Jesus Christ that will rule over heaven and earth. But some will have a different position than others based on our practical sanctification. But all are sanctified. All are set apart for the glory of God. Ephesians 2, here it says clearly when and how everyone will be used for the glory of God, every Christian. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. 
And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The unsaved can't do the will of God. They're useless to God as far as bringing him glory. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. We didn't deserve our salvation any more than anyone else. We didn't deserve sanctification. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with him by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. This is the separation, the sanctification, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ. That can be said about every child of God, every Christian, even the most carnal. One day will be used to bring glory to the grace of God. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That truth, knowing we're saved by grace apart from works, knowing that we didn't clean ourselves up and make ourselves useful, he made us useful. When you fully grasp that, it won't give you the attitude, well, then I can live how I want to. I'm holy. doesn't matter how I live. No, as Brother Tom prayed in his prayer, God's love for you that would do this for his enemies will cause you to love the one who loved you so much that he laid down his life for you. You'll want to begin to, to yield to that, that daily work of grace that not only saved you, but will teach you now how to live holy. Next week, we'll look at several exhortations that were given, and one of them that seems so, so impossible, but when you understand these truths, it's not. Be holy as he is holy. That's a tough one, isn't it? Be holy as he is holy. Be as useful to God as Jesus is. Be as pure as Jesus is. The only way that I could possibly even think that I could achieve that, that that could be said of me, is if I know for sure he made me holy. He made me useful. And now that same grace that saved me is going to teach me how to live holy. That's the two aspects of sanctification that we need to understand. One is unconditional and forever. It's eternal. I'll never, God will never treat me like one who has not accepted Jesus as his savior. I'm special because he made me special. He made me useful to himself. Colossians 1, 12 to 14. We'll close with this this morning. I've been made a saint. Man hasn't declared it so. The church hasn't declared it so. God has said, I'm a saint. Sainthood, sanctification, affords us honor and privilege that we did not merit, but it does magnify the grace and the mercy of God. And that can be used for the glory of God right now as from day to day we're changed, how we think, how we talk, what we do. We can begin to bring him glory already. But one day in heaven, all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, what God will be able to put us on display and say, that's what my grace did. 
that vile sinner I made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 12 to 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. God, by His own mercy, His own grace, His wealth, He sanctified me. He separated me unto Himself forever. Thank God for the truth, the work of sanctification.